Welcome to broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas or at church1132.com. I do have a word for some of you this morning. As a song was being sung about the King is coming, we sometimes think about the King is coming and he's coming in the clouds and Jesus is coming again and we talk about the rapture. Can I bring this home here this morning? Maybe some of you feel alone. I want you to know the king wants to come to you right now, okay? Today, not some in the clouds with the trumpet. He wants to come to you. God is not a God who is out there. He is a God who we can say, in him I live and move and have my being, okay? He's right here. And if you're here this morning and you're walking a little bit in loneliness or fear or sorrow, sadness, or you're just walking a little detached from life, all right, I want to tell you here this morning, the king wants to come to you, okay? The king wants to come to you. He's just a knock away, all right? And he's coming, okay? So just get, maybe it's this morning, maybe it's today, maybe it's in our worship, maybe it's something I say, maybe it's something at the end of the service around an altar, somehow, some way. I just want you to just open your heart up. Can you do that? Just, can we just, let's just do that right now. Everyone just right here, just close your eyes, put your hands out and say, God, would you come to me today? God, I need you. That great song, I need you, oh, I need you. I need you right now, God. Would you just come? God, I pray today that you would come to these people, the ones who maybe is shakily holding their hands and in fear a little bit. God, I don't know if you're really there. Would you make yourself known to them today, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Several years ago, I was flying a, to a trip, taking a trip to Florida, and it happened to be during football season, and I had a stopover in Denver, and I landed in, in Denver, and then I went on my way into Miami. I made an interesting mistake because it was football season, and it was playoff season. I made an interesting mistake of flying with my Seahawk jersey on. <laughs> it was interesting going through Denver Airport. I got a lot of high fives, and I got a few really looks of disdain, okay? It was interesting. I landed in Miami, and I got a lot of like, what are you doing here? It was like I was alien, just dropped out of the sky. I want you to know that I am a Seahawk fan, unashamedly. I'm not a bandwagon fan. I just love the Seattle Seahawks, and I will vote for them. And I know you love your Dallas Cowboys, and I'm, that's totally cool. I want you to know there's a part of me that's Dallas Cowboy. This is my jersey. But look. All right. My second, third, fourth, fifth cousin removed is Bill Bates, number 40. <laughs> I'm really serious about that. But anyhow, I had to have his jersey. So there's a part of me that's Dallas Cowboy, okay? Are we okay with that? Nobody's going to shout me out here? Okay, anyhow. Do I have the audacity to put that on the floor? Should I hold it up? <laughs> I'm a little more discreet now when I fly and when I travel. I have Seahawks socks. <laughs> All right? All right? I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not into the skinny jeans thing, so you can still see my socks, okay? <laughs> All right. Anyhow, follow with me. My point here this morning is not to highlight football. That's enough of that stuff and the Seahawks and all that kind of stuff. I'm here to say when I walked through the airports, now follow me really closely, I was marked. As soon as people saw me, they had no idea or had no other thought than recognizing who I was and what I stood for. I want to challenge us here this morning with this simple thought. Every follower of Christ needs to be marked. Okay? Now, I want you to follow with me on the other side here a little bit. 
Sometimes we're undercover Christians. And that's not what God has called us to be. He's called us to be walking through life with our God jerseys on. Okay? So people know who we are. And so that's why I want to chat with you just briefly, if I can, this morning. In the Gospels, somebody say Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, hold the horse till I get on. Here, that's the way to memorize it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have the disciples timid, a little fearful, a little like, what's going on in life? And they're following this Jesus, but they're not quite sure what it's all about. But we have something interesting taking place in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, right? We see a different set of apostles, disciples, in the book of Acts than we see in the Gospels. They're timid and afraid, but all of a sudden, something changes in the book of Acts, and they're filled with boldness, and they're filled with power. They're going out and preaching sermons, and they're saying, they're getting with the program. What changed? I'm a great analytical type person. I want to evaluate how, how and I, as I looked at this, I, be, I, I think the Holy Spirit began to highlight something to me. Acts chapter 1-8 says, and they shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon them, and they will be my witnesses. As I began to evaluate that, I began to see the difference between the Gospels and Acts was Acts 1-8 when the Holy Spirit came on them. Now follow me. Here's something. I want you to see something that's not necessarily the speaking in tongues or it's not necessarily the gifts or all of that. I want to hone this down. I believe that that verse has more to do with what your pastor has been talking about the past few weeks. It has to do every follower of Christ learning how to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in their life. Now that may rock you just a little bit, but I want you to see this. Because the verse doesn't talk about, and we oftentimes we think about, and you shall be my witnesses, and we think, okay, the Holy Spirit comes so I can be a better witness, or otherwise I can vocally talk about Jesus more. I really don't think that's what this means. I think it means so I can be a Christian in the workplace better. So I can be walking through airports and I'd be a better Christian. So I can be in my home and I can be a better Christian. I can be in a church and I can be a better Christian. Wherever I go, I can be a better Christian and be a witness and encourage people more because I have the Holy Spirit filling my life and the fruit comes out of my life and there's a demonstration of the power that Paul talked about. Not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of God in me. That's what I'm thinking this morning. That's what I'm seeing in this verse. A demonstration with, you know what? Sometimes it's not really easy to love, is it? Sometimes it's not really easy to forgive. Sometimes it's not real easy to not be jealous or covetous about something. How do you do that? The, uh, the demonstration, and you shall receive power to love, to forgive, to be everything God wants us to be. Why? It's that Holy Spirit that's inside of every one of us, regardless of denominational tags. If you know Jesus, the Holy Spirit brings his toolbox inside of you, and you have the ability to demonstrate love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, self-control. You have it. You just have to choose to let it out. Now, okay, I better talk about what I'm supposed to talk about this morning. Are you with me, though? You follow my, 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 my head here. And so if you follow that, and you look at the book of Acts, what were the things, now here's the, here's the pivotal point, what were the things that marked the disciples? What were, what were they? Well, you can see definitely the supernatural, yes, but I'm going to hone in on just one, and just one story. Acts chapter 16, 
And I'm going to hone in on the story of Paul and Silas. In your recent movement conference, I heard several speakers allude to this story. I'm going to elaborate just a little bit because I think one of the things, and you guys have already talked about it, I thought Pastor D was going to teach my sermon here. Going, what, what's up with this? But here it is. I believe one of the things that should mark us in order for us to make and follow these thoughts, things that should mark us so that we can inspire people around us is our ability to praise in all situations. The midst of the storm, the midst of the trial, the midst of the challenge, the midst of my wife burning my toast, is this, your ability, our ability to still praise Him. Still praise Him. Are you with me? So that's what we're talking about here this, this morning. Let's look at this famous incident in the life of Paul and Silas. And I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll, I'm going to pick out seven points this morning. Seven thoughts on praise. So if you're taking notes, get ready to rock your pen. Acts 16, verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Are you getting the picture? About, now again, this is after Acts 1-8, because it's Acts 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Did you hear that? I'm going to come back to that. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaking. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had all escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all hanging out here together. We're good. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Can I stop right there, friends? There's only one thing you need to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, it's not a system. It's not an organization. It's not a president. It's Jesus Christ. Can I hang there for a minute? I better, go. I better move on. And you will be saved. You and your household. Somebody say household. How many of you are believing for a salvation of a loved one right there? And your household, in Jesus' name. The Greek word is oikos. That means your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in their house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all of his family were baptized. Did you get that? He and his whole family were saved. The jailer brought them into his house, and he set a meal before them. He was filled with joy. Somebody say joy. Woo, fruit of the Spirit right there. Because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. I love that story. You see, there's a great lesson here. Great lesson. From the deplorable conditions of a Roman cell came praises. Praises, listen, not natural, or not, excuse me, not possible in the natural. Out they came. There it is. We can be either singing, be, we can either be singing gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression. You guys don't get the other part. You're supposed to go, whoa. But anyhow, okay, we'll get you. We'll, you'll get this. But instead they were singing, how great is our God. Sing with me. Come on, Pete Paul, or Paul, wake up. A situation right there marked them. So they made an impact not only on the jailer, but the whole jailer's family. They were filled with joy in the midst of a deplorable condition, and out of that came the salvation of everyone around them, literally. 
Here's the phrase, living a marked life of the Spirit will make an impact and inspire your friends and family to follow Jesus. Seven thoughts really quick. Number one, praise is audible. Somebody say audible. audible. So you had to say it. You couldn't just go, hmm. Had to say it. Paul and Silas' singing was praising, was heard. Psalm 66, 8, bless the Lord, all you people, and make your voices of praise heard. Psalm 63, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you, and I will make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I confess with my mouth. Bible is very clear. Believe and confess. I praise with my mouth. I offer thanks with my life, my mouth. I live it out with my feet and my hands, but I speak it out with my mouth. There's an old song. Some of you may remember this. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. How do we make known his faithfulness, his goodness, his mercy, and his grace? Except through our mouth and the words that we say. Praise is not something that I do. It's something I release. There are meadowlarks and there are canaries and they are created to sing. Friends, the follower of Christ was created to praise. You and I were created to, you know, some of you really need to get, break down the sound barrier in our life. And it doesn't mean you have to shout. It just means you have to open your mouth and say, God, I just want to give you thanks today. That's all. Okay? You break the sound barrier. I have heard it said by a great pastor that I'm pretty close to. He said something like this. Uh, quiet church is a... Who said that? <laughs> I'm here to say this. And a live church is a vocal and a praising church. But listen, I believe in a fo- uh, a, an, an alive follower of Christ is a praising follower of Christ. A vocal one. Number two, praise overcomes the darkness. Praise overcomes the darkness. You see, recently there was a 20-year-old man who walked into our local mall where I live in, in Washington. And he loaded the clip of his 22 long rifle on the people in Macy's killing five people. This is only five miles from our house. On the Monday following that Friday shooting, upwards of 2,000 people lined the, the neighboring uh, boulevard where the mall was located in a candlelight vigil of memory of those lives. You show that for me. And we all had candles and we all raised them up. The line that was used many times through the night in that, and you see it there, there's a boulevard on the other side of that picture, and we all went out and we stood along that for 10 minutes of silence. As a testimony, we're pushing back the darkness that has caused this tragedy to take place. Tremendous sign of solidarity and support and encouragement. We made a statement. The line, again, used several nights, several times throughout the darkness. I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of darkness in this world. Can I just be really quick and brief here and say, the way to push back the darkness is not through our protests. It's not through our social media. The way we push back the darkness is in no other way than for, for you and I as followers of Christ to begin to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, if I can call it that this morning, the ability that the Holy Spirit gives us to praise in spite of the circumstances. No matter where we may stand politically, it's not, it's, that's not the issue. The issue is where I stand, stand spiritually so that I can lift my hands wherever I am and whatever I'm doing and I can push back the darkness. Maybe you need to push back the darkness in your home because of the stress, because of whatever's going on in your home. How do you do that? Turn on some praise. 
turn on some praise, begin to lift it up and push back the darkness. Notice what the jailer had happened in this jail. They began to sing praises. As they began to sing praises, it pushed back the darkness so that ultimately, listen, freedom came. Follow that. There are many people, I think, that are still in bondage and darkness and things going on in their life, and they just literally need to break off and just begin to praise Him freely. doesn't mean you have to get ecstatic or weird. It just means you have to say, no way. I'm not going to let darkness win my home. I'm not going to let darkness win my company. I'm not going to let darkness overcome. Instead, I'm going to push back the darkness through my praise. Now, praise is really nothing more than, God, thank you for the day. You know, it's, it's not going through singing, amazing grace. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm just, you know, last night we went through Highland Park, and we saw some beautiful Christmas lights. And we, I was just amazed. And after we went through all these lights, we were seeing this. Maybe these guys didn't, but I could be and get pretty negative. Oh, that light's out of line. That one's crooked. Oh, look, they shouldn't put blue, they should put red there. You know, I began, and I began to catch myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. God, I thank you for those lights. I began to think, and isn't that the way life treats us sometimes? No matter how many good things begin to come in our lives, we always see the light that's out of place, or the light that's wrong color, or the light that's not as working. Instead of saying, God, thank you for a job, thank you for a family, thank you for a house, thank you for a car, thank you for my health. Push back the darkness. Let's move on. Number three, praise encourages others. I love this one. I love this. Praise encourages others. Paul and Silas were sitting there, weren't they? They were just like, dude, that wasn't the best place to be in life. Someone had to start. And so I'm thinking, hey, Paul, what's your favorite song? Song? Are you kidding me? Sing now? Yeah, come on, what's your favorite song? Come on, sing with me. Set a fire down in my soul. Come on, sing. Okay, set a fire down in my soul. And they start... And all of a sudden, it began to encourage them. And I, I kind of sense, and I'm kind of dramatic a little bit. Maybe you've noticed that. I kind of think that they began to encourage each other. And they began to feed off each other. And they started singing, maybe in harmony even. You know, I don't know. But listen, the point here is this. Praise encourages others. One of the most inspirational people in my life that I've ever met was a missionary named Barry Eisenhart. Barry was a missionary in Germany, and my wife and I took a trip with 40 youth to Hamburg, Germany. Talk about an experience with 40 youth. Never mind, we won't go there. All the guys slept in one big room, and my sleeping bag happened to be next to this missionary, Barry. Every night that we were there, Barry would go to bed, go to sleep, praising and worshiping God. It wasn't Spotify, it wasn't Pandora, it was just Barry. Praising God. And I would talk to him about that, and he said, you'll never understand why I do this until you understand where I've come from and what God has done in my life. I'm going, wow. Later on that week, I was with him, and I, I just, I, I, I lay there sometimes and just cried. I thought, God, would you give me that, listen, praising heart like that? We took a ride together, and we had to run an errand into the city, and we were driving, about an hour drive, and uh, we were chatting about stuff, and I was asking him about his call and these kind of things, and he stopped the conversation. He says, Bill, would you mind if we just stopped and just began to pray and praise and worship? Okay. And we did. For the next like 45 minutes, we just praised, and I heard him as a missionary pray with an incredible missionary's heart. 
for his country, for the people, for the work. I began to hear him pour out his heart, and then he, all of a sudden, he encouraged me to begin to pray for my ministry and what God was want, going to do in my life and in my church. And you know what? Praise encourages me. He didn't say, hey, Bill, what do you say let's complain about the po political system together? Hey, Bill, what do you say let's grumble together? No, he said, Bill, let's praise the Lord together. Listen, Psalm 34, 3 says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Somebody say, with me with me, with us. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Number four, praise lifts the praiser. Praise encourages other, praise lifts me. Have you ever felt that? Man, I feel, I feel so much gooder when I begin to praise. By the way, some of you English pros, I know that that's not correct. I would think that as they sing, their spirits were lifted. What's the opposite? The more you sing, the more depressed you get. See, that's not true. The more you give thanks the better you feel. It lifts the praise. There's so many verses here. Psalm 35, 28. My tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praises all the day long. The Hebrew context here suggests I get preoccupied with praises. Psalm 89, 15. Blessed are the people who know the joyful, no be do, know the joyful sound of praise. I'm going to point out something here to you and then we'll go on. Psalm 59, 19, it says, When the enemy comes in, it shall come in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. I want you to notice something as we look at this together. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, comma. So we get the picture of the enemy coming in first, like a flood he's coming in. And we say, yeah, that's true, man, I felt that. The Spirit of the Lord shall raise it, lift up a standard. Now notice I know that the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. It's not necessarily always with commas and, and the correct punk, punk, punctuation, okay? However, in the Hebrew, you can make the distinction properly about where the commas go. This one really is incorrect. Look at the next one. When the enemy shall come in, somebody get ready to shout here. Just think about it. When the enemy comes in, I love this. Like a flood, the Spirit raises up a standard against him. So when you begin to feel that coming, here is the enemy coming in. <coughs> we begin to praise like a flood. The Spirit begins to lift. Spirit begins to lift. You see, it's again a little bit of the darkness issue, and the darkness begins to overwhelm. Just flick on the light of praise. He is the joy and the lifter of our heads. Nothing defeats depression, discouragement, despair better than praise. Let's move on. Number five. Praise is beautiful. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're beautiful. Well, I don't know. Okay. Let's look at it this way. Look at it this way with me, church. Okay. Which is more attractive? Two guys grumbling and complaining about their condition. Follow me? Is that very attractive? Probably not. Or two guys singing, how great is our God, sing with me how great. What's more beautiful? What's more beautiful than the follower of Christ lifting up the praises of God, whether it be in vocal song or whether it's just in accommodation and blessing of people around them? Wow. What's more beautiful? There's so much here uh, that I can share. There's something beautiful about a tightly formed rosebud. But there's also something very beautiful about a rose that is full bloom. There's something beautiful about a follower of Christ, but there's also something even more beautiful and more amazing about a, about, about a praising 
follower of Christ. See the picture. It, as disgusting as it may be as for an individual to let loose with a string of vulgarities, it's beautiful when a follower of Christ begins to vocally praise his God. You wonder sometimes why the world isn't banging the doors of the church wanting in. Can I just say it this way, church? Maybe it's because we're not beautiful enough. Just maybe. There's something beautiful and attractive about a church that's filled with worship and praise. Number six, praise helps us mature. Praise helps us grow. Paul and Silas learned a valuable lesson in that jailhouse experience. Yes, I know. Go ahead and let's say it with me. It was the original jailhouse rock. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> now we're over with that. But they learned a lesson. Here it is. And can I just say it this way? They, they, if they, again, they were talking and they said, hmm. Dustin, Jamie's oldest son, Jude, he does that a lot. He goes, hmm. <laughs> and here's Paul and Silas going, hmm. We praise, follow me, we praise God opened the door. Hello? We praise God comes through. We turn our eyes on Him. God answers our prayer. Oh my goodness. Maturity begins to take place in us when we begin to praise. We learn the lessons He has for us. Spiritual maturity. Here's a great statement. Follow me. Spiritual maturity is not about one's knowledge of life and godliness, but in their ability to praise when everything looks bleak. You see, in my backyard, I have a trumpet vine. When we bought the house, it was absolutely nothing. And the lady that owned it said, you just wait. I go, okay, I'll wait. But this crazy trumpet vine just began to take over our backyard, and it began to bloom these crazy blooms. They look like trumpets. And there was over, I counted over 300 on that thing. And they were, and the words that came out of my mouth, wow, listen, that is a mature plant. Why did I say that? An abundance of fruit. How do you know when you're a, you, how do you know when you are a mature follower of Christ? There's a lot of fruit hanging from you. You see, and I'm talking here this morning about the ability of wherever you are, whatever the situation, just begin to say, God, I just want to thank you right now. I don't thank him for my broken leg. I thank him in spite of it. Please understand that. I know there's a lot of positive confession stuff. I don't thank him for my car wreck. I just continue to thank him in spite of it, in the midst of it. Difference there. Are you with me? Okay? What marks the follower of Christ is that ability to experience the most difficult times of life and still focus and worship and praise the Lord. Let me look at two things here with you. Habakkuk, this is my, one of my top ten verses. This verse absolutely rocks my little world. Habakkuk 3, verse 17 through 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flocks should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls. Now stop right there. What's the picture you get here? Let's sing it together. Gloom, despair. Don't we, don't we get that picture? What does the prophet say here? Here is the point of my whole sermon right here. Verse 18. Yet. Somebody say yet. Yet. yet 
I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hind's feet, and he makes me to walk on high places. What happened there? He looked at the circumstances, and in spite of the circumstances, he began to say, yet will I praise him. Yet will I praise him. And that's, help, that's a mature issue. It's not going through the mall. It's just and praising and worshiping and driving everybody nuts around you. It's just maintaining a private heart of praise and worship in spite of it. The band would come right now. We're going to close. Number seven. Let me, let me just insert this little story. Band still come. We're going to sing a song in a minute. I don't know what Ben has selected for the closing, but we sang it already. The song, It Is Well. Did you guys ever know that, if you know the background of that song, you can take a brief break while I explain it. It was written by a man by the name of Horatio Spofford. Horatio Spofford, to, he, he had lost his business, he had lost his home, he had lost his family, and he was on board of a ship in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. He was standing on the bow, and he was looking, and what was he looking at? The waves. And he began to, began to write out the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Because he started the verse 1, it says, When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Same thing as Habakkuk. Though I've lost my family, though I've lost my business, though I've lost my family, though I've lost all these things in my life, yet will I praise him and say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. The last one, praise honors God. Again, look at Paul and Silas one more time. Which is more honoring to God? Grumbling, complaining. Heard a song not too long, or recently, that was sung at a funeral. There goes my reason for living. There goes my everything. Or, great is thy faithfulness. Amazing grace, or it is well. What honors God most? Listen to me, this thought. Anytime a created thing fulfills its purpose, it honors its creator. Anytime a created thing fulfills its purpose, it honors its creator. From a canary singing his song in the morning to the follower of Christ offering up praise to God, it offers praise and honors and glorifies God. The final words of Solomon, known as the wisest man to have ever lived. He says, the chief end of man is to honor and glorify God all the days of his life. The purpose of our life is to honor and glorify God. Would you join with me, church? And let's be a body of followers of Christ that are not afraid to lift up the praises of God. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com. 